And then, you know, they read the meat and then it helps at the end they to have... They read the meat. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> uh. Welcome back, everyone, to the Nail Social Office Hours podcast, take two on the very special October 17th edition... October 2017. No, that's wrong. <laughs> Take three. No. <laughs> I'm Jess Bachman, Digital Strategy Director here at Nail. I am Rachel Jackson. I am the Social Analytics Manager at Nail. And we have a special guest, a special archival guest in the studio today. Mm, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> uh, we love the Providence City Archives Twitter account. And so we thought, you know what? They're right over in our backyard. Let's talk to them. Let's see what's going on there. Um, so we have Shana in the in the podcast studio today, which we will talk, uh, talk to um, in our very first segment in This Week in Organic. But for the rest of our segments, we've got a This Week in Paid. We're going to talk about the shift to video and finally what the outcome of the, of the Facebook fine was there. Finally, a fine that Facebook will, will feel. No. <laughs> no. Spoiler alert. They won't feel it. Um, and then in our last segment, we're going to bring back How to B2B and talk a little bit more about LinkedIn and some of our strategies there. Mm -hmm. And we will also have Shanna Rant. Yeah, she's brought a spicy one, so we've heard. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's go straight into the, uh, into the first segment. I am definitely not kawaii enough for this Yeah, dance. that is, okay, it's very K-pop, or is it J-pop? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, the song Alexi has chosen is already dead instrumental by Little Boom, but it's a dance. It's the, the trend is the Yumu challenge. Yumu? Isn't it Yumu? like uwu? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's what that is. Well, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this out on our uh, TikTok. Oh, we could do it. <laughs> okay. Shana, if you don't know, we do TikTok dances sometimes. It's Ooh. really embarrassing. Anyway. <laughs> so in the studio, we have um, Shana. Shana, can you introduce yourself and tell us what the hell you're doing here? Oh, uh, well, uh, I work for the City Archives. I do reference in multimedia and social media. Uh, so basically what I do is help people who come into our office and want to find out about their relatives that lived in Providence mm -hmm. up to really, mm, we can go back as far as 1636 somehow oh in a way, yeah. not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> if anybody still has or is still around Providence with relatives um, from back then, they definitely let it be known. But mm. most of the people are coming in looking for stuff from the 19th and the early 20th century. So mm -hmm. I tend to help them with that. I also do a lot of scanning photographs of police. We have police photo negatives. So a lot of the oh. Providence Police Department, oh, yeah. we have their stuff. And so I've been going through a lot of those negatives lately. And then what I've been doing since mm, January is doing social media. Mm -hmm. It started as Instagram in January. And then this August, I felt an urge or like a need. <laughs> I was like, oh, let's go to Twitter. How about that? Yeah. Right. Um, and I did that, and I posted this photo or this scan of 
a classical high school entrance exam mm-hmm. and it had all of these questions about can you spell these latin words can you tell us where this is geographically can you do this math which by the way none of us in the office could do the math <laughs> but that's why we're in history right. uh and then i posted it and then dan mcgowan who's with mm-hmm. the globe now used to be with wpri he tweeted or he messaged us and asked if he could put us in his weekly uh roadmap newsletter mm-hmm. and I was like yes please oh my god yes, yeah. <laughs> yes you may uh, and he did that and then he, that caught a lot of attention with his followers and it just kind of took off from there yeah you've done a, a great job with it and the, the reason we wanted to have you in is because good government Twitter accounts are so rare mm-hmm. and so when we found one that's like you know uh, across the street we had to figure out who this person is and how they're making the magic happen yeah usually we see a lot of stuffy language a lot of images that are weird graphically designed not a lot of engagement people don't seem interested it's just a lot of links and hashtags and a lot of we call it just like an over overwhelming blue text because anytime you tag a bunch of people it's very overwhelming but we were very uh refreshed to see your account and we're so excited about it being so new also and like just starting up so that's what we're going to talk about today, I suppose. Yep, the account is um, at PVD City Archives, if you want to check out uh, the awesomeness. So <laughs> I'm, I'm curious <laughs> about, because um, it, it seems like when you're posting on Twitter, like you already know some of the memes, you already uh, speak some of the language. Are you on Twitter like generally? I do have my own personal Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, not as many followers, definitely. I knew <laughs> once, as soon as the archives account got more followers than my personal account, I was like, okay, let's go. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is real. Uh, but I do I do have my own Twitter account. And I actually, uh, as of July, have only been using Twitter for social media. So my Instagram, my yep. Facebook, mm. really, I've stopped using that. And uh, here it, you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I feel like Same I've way. been missing so much. Yeah. Just... It's a lot of like stuff from back home. I was like, oh, another person from my small town got engaged You're right. and had their fifth kid. Mm-hmm. And we're only 25. Uh, but <laughs> right. uh, so on Twitter, I do have my own account and I do see things like I follow Rhode Island Problems. Their Twitter account yep. is hilarious. And I'm not from Rhode Island. And mm. so once I started to get these memes and understand, I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, I see what you're doing. This is funny. <laughs> I'm going to laugh. I'm just learned what it meant (laughs) but i also follow like uh some baseball accounts like the miami marlins have this awesome awesome tone and um just kind of brand for their twitter and then you know cut four has that as well and i kind of just go off of what uh other accounts that i follow Mm -hmm. and take it for myself yeah repurpose that's how that's the easiest and most effective way i think what what shana's saying is so key and that is what we we struggle with a lot with brands is that they don't have someone who is native to the platform and who's got some Twitter accounts that they love and they follow and they're inspired by because if you don't have that inspiration and if you're not there speaking the language you're you're missing out on a lot you're missing out on a lot of context and the people who are there to engage with the posts they're not going to engage if your stuff isn't isn't native to the platform either you know yeah <laughs> one challenge and we do some government Twitter as well and one challenge that we have is uh, we'll like write a tweet or we'll come up with a meme or something. And then it needs to be approved by like this army of stakeholders within mm. government. Mm. Some of them who don't know the meme, some of them, you know, are very removed from the content. And it's very 
challenging but unnecessary evil don't we can't like (laughs) it's there for a reason right but uh, i'm curious about how the approval process works with the stuff that you're doing do do you need to run it up the chain does um no no No, uh bless your heart yeah it's it's great uh i did instagram for enough time and i showed that Mm -hmm. i was posting good content and non-controversial content mm-hmm. and kind of like mm, quote-unquote safe content yeah. as a government account right and so i was given the okay just to post what i want and what i think is appropriate mm-hmm. on twitter and so far it's been so good uh, but yeah there's really no approval process i just use the my better judgment mm-hmm. if i think that my grandparents would be embarrassed to see me post it. I don't post it. That's so a good rule. <laughs> that trust is so important. I mean, again, that's another thing we struggle with is having a brand give over the reins. That's that's that seems like this big mon- monumentous task. But if you don't have a certain amount of freedom or independence to post what what you feel like would be good content, then you feel like maybe you're you're starved. I guess. <laughs> yeah, and th- and that freedom is totally part of the success and the growth i mean the, the account's only a couple of months old right yeah i think it was uh mid-august mm-hmm. when i opened yeah, it yeah like 800 followers it. that's that for like a small government account that is fantastic it feels it feels good yeah <laughs> you, you can't you can't achieve you can't achieve that that speed of growth if the approval process is like two weeks or three weeks mm-hmm. or whatever i mean it right. just it just harshes your mellow but in terms of growth do you have sort of any strategy on what you want like any milestones like do you want something to reach x amount of followers or do you want you know x amount of retweets or or even what type of content you want to consider in the future i am just shooting for as much as i possibly can Mm -hmm. Uh, absolutely obviously i can't get in the millions if i do then i wouldn't be I'm not going to finish that sentence, but <laughs> um, as big as I can get it, yeah, mm-hmm. as much as I can do, it's fun. I'm having a great time. One of the better parts of my job. And I just, I'm kind of going with the flow. So mm-hmm. I don't have a background mm-hmm. in social media or marketing or branding or any of these things, any communications, anything mm-hmm. like that. I just, I'm a history student. Yeah. That's well, on Twitter. <clears throat> One of the excellent things or one of the advantages that you have that a lot of other government accounts don't have is you have so much content like at your fingertips. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, like, how do you how do you know what to put on there with with everything that's yeah, in the archives? What's a good archival post and what's a bad one? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, um, hmm. it seems like lately they're all been bad. But uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> Um I have two different types of posts, and the first one is something that I've planned for a day that's coming up. Um, So, for example, this Saturday is the 169th birthday of Annie Smith Peck, who was this just kick-ass, yeah, (laughs) kick-ass woman from Providence, and she climbed numerous mountains, and she even said something about Charles Lindbergh. She was... Mm. um, she was born in 1850, so right around the turn of the century, she was at her peak. So this is also when flight was taking off. Mm. Yeah, that's good fun. <laughs> laugh about that Save it for the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> um, so right as flight was taking off, she made a comment about how she doesn't really think 
anything that he's doing is special because her feet have been a thousand feet higher than he's ever been. Mm. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, ah, drop a mic. Find yeah, a mic. for real. Yeah. Don't care where it is. Throw it if you have to. It has to hit the floor. <laughs> Most epic mic drop. But she is this really great person and she is from Providence. She was denied admission to Brown. Um, so instead, she's, you know, I'm going to go to the University of Michigan, who are accepting women. She was the first woman to apply to Brown, but they denied her. Mm-hmm. Her brothers and her father had gone there, and she just wanted to continue with her education. So goes over to Michigan, does her thing, ends up at Purdue, ends up at Smith College. And then at when she was at Smith College, she discovered her love of mountain climbing. So this woman has just... She did so many great things in her life, and her birthday is coming up. So it's a post that I'm planning. So it's going to be a thread. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get some photos, some quotes, this, that, and the other thing. Um, So that's one type of post. The other type of post is I see something, and I post it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We don't see enough of those in government. It's it's tough because everything does have to usually go through an approval process, and they don't have that freedom to see and post. You lose out on a lot of, like topical content which which we've seen from your account you know a few memes and things that are that are totally topical or read or quote tweets or retweets from other accounts that you wouldn't have if you had to go through like an approval process Mm -hmm. you know so how do you like see things like the the legendary milk tweet like how do you (laughs) just thinking about that (laughs) how do you do you are just like flipping through milk related things or like yeah i was doing some work on the weekend i was doing some cataloging and that milk report it just it popped up it was the next one on the stack and i was like oh this is hilarious and i my mind quickly went to how i met your mother and then the legend Uh dairy pun came out and honestly this is just like how my brain works anyway and so to put it on a tweet or in a tweet and post it Uh it, it's very natural Um, yeah but i just go right through it Uh, it's there's nothing controversial about that. It's from mm-hmm. 1913, I believe. I don't think anybody's going to come back and say, that's not how I want my content posted. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're, we're on Facebook. That's true. That's interesting. I guess a lot of the people who would be interested are not alive. Yeah. They can't be <laughs> like, canceled. They can't, yeah, they can't be canceled. <laughs> Um, something you said was interesting is like how, you said how your it's how your brain works. Mm-hmm. And what we talk a lot about is how the person is the asset sometimes it's not necessarily the the um the creative you're making or it's not necessarily the um the product or whatever or the strategy it's it's the person who has the freedom and the copywriting skills and the ability to see something and then post it and make it work and i think that's a lot of times what brands are missing is is the person or the talent yeah it's not the intern (laughs) what it's not the intern it's not like oh 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 I mean, if if we, you want to be successful, I see. I thought you were like ragging on interns. We don't do that here, as our intern is sitting in in, in the room. Executive no, producer of the podcast. Get it straight, Rachel. Jess is Jess is talking about how this trope on social media that we see all the time is that the intern is in charge of the social media, whereas social media is so important and in part a huge part of brands nowadays that it's important for like you know real professionals to to be managing this, not not just, you know, people who don't have a lot of experience. Yeah, it's it's content, it's 
um, it's ads, it's, it's stuff that you want to be proud of. You don't put the intern, give them a camera and tell them to shoot an advertisement, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't do that, but for, they do give them the keys to the social account, but it's clear that Shana, you, um, you're very good at what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to you and kudos to your boss and boss's bosses for allowing you the freedom to run with it and be successful with yeah. it. Yeah. I'm curious what the response from your the sort of the archival community or just the Providence community in general. Has anyone like re- well, I guess Dan is a good mm-hmm. example of someone re- who reached out to you, but what does your boss think? Oh, so my boss, uh Caleb Horton, uh he laughs at <laughs> there almost you go. all of it. That's good. Um I know that if I get a five second long laugh out of him that it's a definite post. Um, and then above him is our city clerk, Sean Selleck, and he's spoken with me and said, this is really, really great. He said, you're the only account that I subscribe to. Just oh. like, Ooh. Whoa. What about the mayor? What's the mayor thing? Um. <laughs> Not sure yet. Um, yeah. Um, I just met the mayor for the first time a couple weeks ago, and he was very kind, and he told me that I'm doing a great job on social media, and I said, thank you very much. Cool. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for um, coming in, um, and stick around for uh, the rant wheel. We've heard you had a rant, and also mm. the after show. Mm. It's oo It's not umu. I didn't understand what it was. Just explain it to me. It's fine. Moving into this week in paid, we're going to talk about the shift to video, which some might say that's old news. But why is it not old news? Um, Facebook was recently fined or not fined. They settled a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit with a that had a $40 million um, penalty for inflating viewer metrics, view metrics from a few years ago. Right. So these were a bunch of advertisers that were upset about these inflation of view metrics because they made it seem like Facebook was the best place to um, to post video and that it was going to be video all the way. Video is going to take over how we consume media. And because of that, and because of these inflated metrics, a lot of news organizations and entertainment organizations sort of stopped hiring or fired people who are more text-based or text-based journalists? Well, I mean, there's a few reasons why this this fine is ridiculous. First of all, a $40 million fine is nothing yeah, so for there, Facebook. So Facebook's like, yearly revenue is $55 billion, right. And their yearly profit is like $22 billion or something like that. So that billions versus $40 million is ridiculous. Right. So certainly not a deterrent for any for Facebook changing its practices. The other thing is um, the the plaintiffs in in this class action lawsuit were the were the advertisers mm-hmm. who didn't get what their views said they would. But the real people that were harmed from this were the publishers yep. who were like, now let's move everything to Facebook. This view, this video got a billion views yep. or several hundred million views, mm-hmm. uh, which was the case a few years ago, supposedly. So let's move all of our production there where they don't get a cut of the ad mm-hmm. revenue at all. And so, and what's also interesting, so 
So yeah, they they moved over to to video and then they and maybe had to fire some journalists that were text based, but then ha- maybe hire social media video teams. But then what happened when they realized that these metrics were not valid in like 2018 when shit really hit the fan? They had to then fire a bunch of these video production co- uh, production people. So like the example of Vox, they fired 50 people in mm-hmm. in 2018. That is a huge chunk of people, and the same thing happened with with other other media organizations. So you have both, you know, the text journalists and these video journalists all leaving, and basically it was a huge shitstorm for the journalism um, community that people still haven't haven't you know recovered from. Right, and so as a result of that, Facebook gets fined a fractional percent of its revenues just to make sure it doesn't do this ever again. Yeah. Okay. But it's imp- it's important to. I mean, this did happen a few years ago. Um, the settlement is new, but it's important to remember that um, Facebook's going to Facebook. Yeah, they're going to keep doing this, and they're they're putting out more like Facebook Watch and IGTV. These are other video products that they're doing, and if you feel like some of the views or the view counts are, are a little weird, um, Facebook has all kinds of ways to inflate that even without lying like mm-hmm. you know just inserting that into your feed randomly or other sorts right. of things so so the example what, what actually was the issue in 2016 were the metrics average duration of video viewed and average percentage of video viewed so that was actually what was inflated so those are now fine i guess apparently mm-hmm. i mean i mean the engineers also took a year to even disclose that information so all of that's a mess but even now, we have incredibly misleading metrics still on Facebook. I mean, this happens on other platforms, too. They show, like, the vanity metrics rather than the um, the, the nitty-gritty, what you really right. need to know. I think a good example of this is video play. So that's a metric that Facebook has versus three-second views. So a video play is any time a video starts playing. It registers. It's almost like an impression mm-hmm. versus a three-second view, which is a real, like, a full stop to view. Right. It's, it doesn't necessarily mean that people have viewed any more of that, but it, it means that they, they've sort of stopped to view. Those are very, very different metrics. And if you use the video play metric, which is almost like an impression, it's going to look way inflated versus versus your, your three-second view. Another example is the view-through metric. So view-through is Facebook's um, you either complete the video or you watch 15 seconds of the video. So right. that is not the same thing. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Particularly if you're like Comedy Central and you're putting out like these long skits sure, or something. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, a 15 second view is not, oh my God, I, that is such an egregious metric. I can't even believe it. It's probably something people are also reporting. Here at Nail, we really strive to make our own metrics and, and sort of explain the calculations that we do because we want to avoid this as much as possible because they do look inflated. And if you don't know the definitions of these <clears throat> things, and if you're just, you know, a, a, a an organization that doesn't have a lot of um, a lot of experience with the ads platform, you could really get yourself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, and you know, Facebook has a history of doing this, so we absolutely never trust stuff coming out of them but you know there's lots of other newer platforms like tiktok where the view numbers are in the billions yeah again it's true um, it's true and they and, and they grow every day and, and it, like what we talk about even just us when we post our little tiktok um on our on our own channels and then and, and then in five hours it has 500 views yeah that seems very the last one we did has has 400 views i, I have five followers mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it is the difference in, in, in how the platform works. I mean, sort of the, the hashtags and the scroll through of TikTok. But you're right. Sure. I mean, I certainly can't trust them. But I actually do tr- trust TikTok um, a little bit more. One reason is because when I'm scrolling through my feed, 
Um, it's like all these people that have like uh, hundreds of thousands of views. And then I come across one that has like one like. Right. Yeah. I see that. So they're Again, it's the mechanics of the platform. They have a mechanic to get that in there. Also, um, I could totally see how something can get to a billion views because you said you were on the you were using it for like three hours the other night. No, oh, don't tell people that. <laughs> and then you know it, it repeats just like how Vine stuff had like millions of views because sure. it repeats. You don't watch it once; you watch it more than a few times. That's a good point. Yeah, TikTok um, is interesting, but I think it's important to be really aware of these lawsuits and and the fact that they're always around and they're always coming, and and also the fact that these are just drops in the bucket. They're not real deterrents, which is a huge problem. And so. The bigger picture here is what is the reform or what are what are the um, the guidelines and what are the legislation that needs to be put in place to protect um, consumers and advertisers. Right. And if you're if you're um, a publisher or produce content, it's always good to have a hedge that is your own site. Never sure. go all in on, on Facebook or another platform. Well, even you know? even the case of that where people will put I mean, even, you know, let's say Vox was, was uploading to their own site, but then linking to Facebook, Facebook would demote those. They're yeah. not getting as much as a native, a native view, you know? Right, right. But you don't want to go in all in on, uh, you know, trusting Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Retweet. <laughs> Got some new red, new uh, legislation, House Resolution H2B2B. What's going on with that? <laughs> how to B2B, <laughs> bringing back this segment. So we wanted to talk about how um, you can't, you can advertise as a brand on LinkedIn. You can't advertise as a person. Like you can't run ads as a person. <laughs> right. Well, let's let's take a, a step back and talk about LinkedIn for a second because we have a lot of B2B clients. There's so much B2B work out there. Um, and they all think that LinkedIn is the place to B2B, which is accurate to a certain extent, but there's right ways and wrong ways to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so what Rachel was talking about is it's, it's very tempting to be like, I have a company that sells this, so I'm going to put out this great content as the company. But for whatever reason, LinkedIn really demotes company posts in its algorithm. Like when I'm scrolling through my feed, I never see stuff from like abz corp it's always yeah you very rarely see actual posts sponsored posts or video ads or even text ads is what you usually see right so to combat this and what we recommend to clients is if you want to have do organic stuff on linkedin you need to find someone within your organization who's going to be like the face of the company on linkedin and the posts are essentially going to come from them right and they don't necessarily have to be like you know writing all day every day it right. sometimes you, of course you have you have a collaborative thought and you have you have a team behind them but you do need someone who's going to be the face again you cannot promote these but this is an organic play yeah it's weird to me that linkedin sort of demotes company posts it feels like mm-hmm. they'd sort of want that like brand twitter or something you know yeah i mean but but when you think about it tw- uh, linkedin is for networking you network with people you don't yeah, network with brands yeah. You know, but, but I mean, you're an employee of a, of a brand, you're an employee of a company. It is interesting though. The other and this w- could also change Jess. Yeah. Like this is what's active now. Yeah. The other weird thing about LinkedIn is that it seems to demote 
posts that are from its own publishing platform, no. LinkedIn Pulse. Yeah, this is a huge thing. Do not post. Well, again, this could change, but we don't always we don't recommend posting from using a link from Pulse or a link to an article. We recommend using a native text post. Right. Yeah. There's two reasons. One is because it feels like the algorithm demotes things from Pulse. Also, I mean, in general, I don't like clicking to another thing to see what or whatever. Yeah, it's just another extra step. It's better to have it in. But the other part is the engagement does not happen on Pulse, mm -hmm. really. Like, we'll, we, I'll routinely see posts with hundreds of comments that are status posts. Yep. But if I go to the like a similar Pulse post, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't even say that. Pulse a, post. A similar LinkedIn Pulse post, um, there's hardly any conversation going on there at, uh, there at all. You know, it's like, don't blog. I mean, just like with, you know, Facebook and video, don't blog on LinkedIn's own platform. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So, so that's how. So, that's a few examples of how to do it wrong. How do we do it right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we absolutely. I mean, this is true for most things, but you need a hook. It's so true for LinkedIn, especially if it's going to be a longer form post, and mm -hmm. you do have a see more <clears throat> button in there. This you're not really posting like Twitter sort of statuses here. This is where you have sort of a thought leadership, right. beginning, middle, and end, and you do need something to hook people in. Like it does have to be a little bit. I wouldn't say that you're like you're being scandalous or anything, but just you need something interesting at the top. Yeah, it's hard to do thought leadership um, in three lines. So a, as a, you know, it's a requirement that these posts are long and you have 1300 characters, which sounds like a lot. It's, it's not, it's like three paragraphs or something, <clears throat> but you need something for people to click the read more mm -hmm. to get to the, to the meat of the article. And then, you know, they read the meat and then it helps at the end they to have read the meat. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Okay, continue. <laughs> uh, episode title. They get to the end. <laughs> so they they get to the end. Uh, I need to take a break. I need to drink some water. So why don't you tell them what happens when they when they get to the end? And they get to the end, and there's some sort of resolution, or a lot of times there's a question that's being asked, and that's how you get the the comments in the in the end. Because the other part of this is you're not just displaying your thought leadership. Um, to the rest of your community, but the people who are commenting want to seem very exactly. smart. They want to have an answer. They want to have a yep. take. They want to show everyone in their own bubble that they that they look good and that they're here actively networking. So posing a question or posing something um, something for them to talk about is a huge part of what needs to happen in these posts. Yeah, you're right. I never thought about that, but it, it LinkedIn is very performative. Absolutely. Which you don't see in Facebook. Um, or with Twitter, it's like, I want to try and be funny or whatever. But with LinkedIn... Because people are like trying to provide something meaty, you can then respond to that, and it becomes like this. Um, a lot of interesting stuff is in the comments, you mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of LinkedIn is to try and get that engagement, so they can then see the post later. It, you know, it's just like all the platforms, like comments really help the algorithm. Likes sort of, shares do. So, with all, anytime you post, you really need to go for those comments. You know, ask for them. Don't be ashamed to just be like, what do you think? Or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the, the big part of this is frequency. It's just like any other platform, you need to be doing this, you know, almost on a weekly basis, maybe bi-weekly if you can handle it. Because the second somebody likes something or comments <clears throat> on it, right. they will get that, they will get your next post in your, in their feed. If you don't do a next post, there'll be nothing in their feed. So you have to continue the cycle. Right. And we, we recommend at least once a week. Mm -hmm. um, and again, just status posts. Keep it to 1,300 characters. Have a hook in there. Have a hook at the end. Something like that. And uh, that'll do it. <laughs>
that was a great show. Now we're at the rant wheel. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so usually we do a rant wheel, but because we have a special guest in the office, we decided, what if we just make the guest rant? <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> do you have a rant, Shayna? Ooh, uh, I constantly have a rant wheel going on in my head. <laughs> oh, it's like your brain. Yeah, I got you. So, uh, appropriately, uh, Right now, the wheel stops on mean people on Twitter. There's mean people on Twitter? What What are you talking about? There's like two of them. Only two? In the entirety of Twitter. Just only two. Are there trolls on on the City Archives account? There aren't mm, trolls, per se. There are people that mm, like to try and prove us wrong. Ooh, and yes, you, you know, Rhode Islanders do that a lot <laughs> with a lot of, <laughs> we've seen a lot of that. But like, how do they prove something wrong that's like happened like 150 years ago? They, t- mm, that's a great question. <laughs> Let me go and ask them. Uh, that's no. not the price of milk when I was around. <laughs> or it's very like nitpicky things of like, oh, you're looking at the wrong direction. You're on the wrong street. And Initially, my feeling is, oh, no, I just posted this, and mm. it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized, you know what? Our office is literally full of, quote-unquote, receipts. Yeah. And we have the <laughs> right. receipts. You do. Right. And I just, I was like, okay, like, I cracked my neck a little bit, cracked the knuckles. I was like, let's do this. <laughs> and... It, it, it's one thing to tell somebody they're wrong, but when you tell them they're wrong in such a cruel way or mean or just not in a respectful way it feels more like an attack and i don't understand why anybody has to mean like mean ever i know i know it's like what do these people have with their time and a lot of times it's like their real name on it we Mm -hmm. see this on facebook all the time running ads that that sometimes have to do with with like controversial things and they'll post something incredibly rude or incredibly disrespectful or mean with their real name attached it's got their job where they work mm-hmm. it's got where they went to school it's got like you know pictures of their children and you're doing that with your real name it's amazing yeah. to me yeah with your yeah. face right there too right. they can yeah. see it yeah. yeah but um we found that like <clears throat> responding to trolls successfully is it's like it's almost like an art form and a science because you need to mm. you can't you can't just like show them the receipts because a lot of times they're looking to make something even bigger. That's the whole mm-hmm. reason why they're just um, posting negatively. So you really, you almost need to like figure out like who they are and what what their angle is, and and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's challenging. It is. Jeez. I, my <laughs> strategy, uh, more often than not, is to start with, "Oh, thank you for your input." Smiley yeah. emoji. Uh, we really appreciate your support because we do. We appreciate all support. Yeah. And then I go into but we do have this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do thank you for you know fe- trying to check us yeah. like we Shit want to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I think a lot of times it just takes the wind out, wind out of their sails. Like as soon as they get a response, they're they re- retract. Yeah. Rachel's new strategy is just to say "Okay, boomer" to every troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> well. That's um, a good rant. Yeah, well-qualified rant. So stick around for the um, the after show, guys.
welcome to the after show. What an intense show. I can't believe, Rachel, you went off like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, I know. Crazy, right? So we have a topic in the after show, which um, I sort of I put out there because I wasn't sure if other people had a similar experience. But I think, I think it's near universal that nobody knows what the hell Vivo is. And we even asked Shannon to stick around because, honest to God, I mean, I've looked at the Wikipedia page and I still don't really know what it does. <laughs> so Vivo, you probably know if you like um, go to YouTube and find any popular artist, they have a Justin Bieber Vivo or something like that where their music is for the most part. But like, what is Vivo? <laughs> why, why, do, why do these artists have this Vivo attached to them? Um, I mean, okay, so, it, oh, gosh, this language is so hard to understand. It's like I'm reading, like, a Roman tomb. Um, <laughs> it's like three major record companies merged to create this licensing premium for certain artists. Uh, okay, so... The- and then they license that videos to YouTube, and then YouTube gets some of the cut of the ad revenue. <clears throat> so it sounds like... These labels are banding together to get a higher cut of the ad revenue than what YouTube normally provides, which is like 40%. I don't know. Maybe. Shana, what's Vivo? <laughs> well, Vivo, in my humble opinion, uh, a website. Is it a website? But it's on YouTube. No, it is a website. It's a website. She's right. It's also a website. I think it's blue. There's like a blue theme going on behind it, if I can remember correctly. You might might be the only person to have been to the Vivo website. Right now, I think you might be. (laughs) Right now, it's it's got video in the background. Oh, I see. Maybe it used to be The world's leading music... What? What does it say? Oh. The world's leading music video and entertainment platform. Besides YouTube. Okay, about Vivo, (laughs) the world's largest all-premium music provider, offering artists a global platform with enormous scale through its distribution partners, like YouTube. And who else? I don't know. There's no Vivo. Vimeo? Vivo Vimeo? (laughs) That's awful. I don't think so. Vivo connects artists with their audience globally via music videos and original content, working directly with them to find unique ways to bring the music to life. Vivo also works with emerging artists. It definitely has to be like... Where to watch Vivo? YouTube, Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, Echo, SkyQ, Now TV, Virgin Media. So, YouTube. Yeah, I do use Vivo a lot on my Echo. <laughs> you do? Alexa, play Vivo. <laughs> no. No. But it, it has to be label-backed because there's so many artists that have, like, that, that have their own channels, too. But they also have one that's, like, Vivo appended. And it just feels so weird that they would, like, give control to this vivo well i have to say when i do this is sort of in in the weeds but when i do when we do youtube advertising and sometimes we do um music based topics or music based or like channel advertising or um or or, uh video advertising the if you type in like an artist like if we're using the justin bieber example and you see the justin bieber channel versus the justin bieber vivo the vivo is always bigger and so i always use that one because there's more inventory yeah i wonder what non-vivoed justin bieber is (laughs) it's just it's his he started on youtube right so maybe it's his real account yeah it's like the raw the raw biebs (laughs) <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted. Kind of like a Finsta. 
Yeah, Instagram versus maybe. Your, maybe your professional Instagram. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so we still don't know what Vivo is. I, I, can someone tell us? And that, can, that, that, that <laughs> I think I think the after show has gone on long enough. All right, thanks guys for listening. We will catch you next week. Bye.